welcome to the Bears, Birds, and Brews podcast. This is a show about the Chicago Bears, the Atlanta Falcons, and craft beer. My name is Asa Flakani, and my co-host is... Nabil Alani. That was a weak crack, man. I don't know what that was. That was a weak hey, crack at the can. I apologize. Man, you didn't drink any beers during the preseason, and now your cracks are off, bro. It seemed like... Yeah, man. That was a go weak crack. Like the post-editing. You know, and our special <laughs> guest here is thinking, oh, man, these guys are going to add special effects. No, we just kind of, you know, we're just doing the poker face thing over here. But speaking of special guests, we got a special guest with us on the call today, Mr. Jake Ellenbogen. Jake, tell him who you are, man. Thanks for being here. Happy, happy Monday. Happy Monday. Uh, you know, really appreciate you guys having me. Um, I'm just a, you know, a sports uh, and entertainment content creator. Um, I'm the CEO of downtown Rams, uh, downtownrams.com. You can go find that. Um, and I have a YouTube channel. Um, and I also have a podcast over at downtown Rams. Can't forget that I do with Alexis craft link. Resack is the one that runs the website. And my YouTube channel is just Jake Allen Bogan. I cover 85% Rams. I do a bunch of other NFL stuff, MCU horror movies. I mean, those are my interests. And so I've been sticking with them, but Guys, uh, it's awesome to see you. Um, I know we talked, obviously, to set this thing up. So, you know, it's really nice to, to be here. And I do appreciate you uh, asking me to join you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. And we got more coming up from Jake in a second. And we actually got more coming up from the bill in a second because as we do with every episode, we drink a, a beer every episode. I'm drinking coffee today because I got a long night ahead of me. So that's my brew. But Nabil has <laughs> a very special brew. It's called The Local Brew. It's a collab between Brew City and Hop and Sting. And Brew okay. City is a small business. Yeah. And uh, Brew All City right. is a I small like business, this. which has a growler shop and gas station combined. And they have a good relationship with the guys at Hop and Sting. And they made a beer. Let Brew City design the label and name the beer. And uh, we got that from our producer, back, our, our previous producer, Mr. Nad Squared. Shout out to Nad Squared for that. He's got the hookup with the local brew and Jake, we're going to get your thoughts on that in a second, but first let's go in the bill and get his thoughts on this yeah. beer right here. Yeah. It's a uh, grapefruit, grapefruit wheat ale. I, I, I can't talk on Mondays apparently, but it's a grapefruit <laughs> wheat ale. It's a, uh, it's at a 5.5. Like this is just a easy crushable brew over here. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a local brew, but it's not local to me since it's not in Georgia, it's in Texas, but um, nice. recommended. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is something you would probably drink the entire football day, you know, start off, you know, especially with like in a couple of weeks when Falcons go to London, you could probably just get a case of these, start at 930 Eastern and just take it all the way to like 11 p.m. Eastern. And you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm putting my coffee cup and nobody would know the difference, right? You know, yeah. that guy really loves his coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm, uh, yeah. I'm the same way. I have my go-to. It's not, it's not a beer, though. I've been obsessed with these things. I don't know if you guys have ever had them. Ice, ice caffeine. Ice caffeine. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I gave up coffee about I want to say over a year ago. Yeah, over a year ago, I gave it up last March. Um, mm -hmm. Not a surprise because it was during the pandemic. <laughs> I was working from home, and I realized, man, I don't really like coffee that much. I liked it because it let it was an excuse for me to get up out of my chair at work. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go make some, but, uh, I realized when I was at home, I was like, man, I really don't like coffee that much. So I drank a lot of matcha and then I found this bad boy over here. I've been drinking sparkling ice for years, but the caffeine, I didn't know existed. So, uh, love that. 
And then as far as beer, um, I'm a big sour ale fan, which I know is kind of sacrilegious Ooh. to craft beer fans, but no, I love sours. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I know there's there's people that do not like sour ale. Uh, personally, I find it so difficult to find sour ale at my um, in my local supermarket. Uh, it's just I can't find it anywhere, you know. So um, I love them. Whoa. But, are you technically in the, are you, I know you said you're from, you're in New York, right? Is it that, yeah. that technically considered the New England area? Yeah. I'm in upstate New York and it's just IPAs everywhere. Yeah. So you just have East coast IPAs all day, which I mean, all New England day. IPAs all day, which, which, which are great. I used to like them, but then and you burn out on them. Exactly. And it got shoved down my throat so much. And now I'm just bitter because I'm like, man, because of all y'all, I can't get my sour ale. <laughs> You know what? I'll I will trade you some sours for some mm-hmm. New England IPAs. I mean, hey, if you, if you can make a trip to let's say hypothetically to a Trillium, mm-hmm. I can get you some sours from Orpheus or let's see where else we can go. Monday uh, night has King. a good sour program. Yeah, there's a Monday bunch night. Of good stuff have, you, down here. have you heard of Jester King? I have not. Jester King, that's another Texas one. But Monday night has a pretty good sour programs, and so does um uh, Orpheus. So we, we, we can make like a nice little beer trade, you know, maybe cut. I, I know the Rams just trade all the draft picks away, but we can go players <laughs> for players. You know, we can go beers for beers, not just future beers that we're trading. Oh man. Uh, you know, as long as, um, you know, it, it's a matter of me being able to travel, but I just, I want to go on a tour, just going, I mean, cause I always say, you know, food and like beers, especially is like culture. And it's right. like, you know, you're going everywhere and you're like getting it little taste and i mean in in some cases music too but mm-hmm. um you know i i love traveling and i really do have to go to texas i have one of my close friends is going to be moving there soon uh so that'll be an excuse to go there and then yeah i just no matter where i go i'm gonna definitely go after those sours because they they're great around here like the people that make them in upstate new york absolutely kill it i mean i had mm-hmm. a boysenberry sour the other day and it was nice. like amazing um but you know it's just you can't find them in the grocery store they're just yeah. they're on tap at the either the local brewery or um we have a dog house here i don't know if you have one around you um but it's you know like hot dogs and uh you know it's actually pretty cool because you get like burgers on like say a uh, a hawaiian roll and it's like it's a weird nice. kind of a weird taste because hawaiian rolls are kind of sweet you know yeah. um but they have you know the local brewery type of you know, deals. And, you know, that's pretty much the only place I even get my sour ale. So that in gotcha. Saratoga. So, well, wherever <laughs> you, wherever you travel, let me know where you're going. I'll find you some good sour breweries. I mean, if you end up going to, you know, uh, England, let's say you go to Europe for a little bit, for mm. whatever reason to cover any game, check out Belgium because they have Cantillon, which is like where, which is like the best sours of them all. Um, okay. Now yeah, that's down. a bucket list item. Now <laughs> there you go, Belgium. Belgium's where you get sours. They're they're called lambics over there. Okay, all yeah, right. Well, lambic. you you can get some lambics over here, but like the um, the the godfather of lambics is Cantillon, and you can find that in Belgium. But you can't find a lot of that in the states. I don't. Some weird shipping laws. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta right. fix that. I- I was going to say, I mean, on this show, we like all the beers. Like, Saison, especially, is like a favorite style of ours relatively recently. Berliner Weiss, of course, and the Sour Ales. I think the only thing that Nabil is, like, anti on this show is anything pumpkin. Like, no pumpkin beers for Nabil. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I mean, I, I like fall beers, but I don't like pumpkin beers. I mean, I feel like 
pumpkin beers are just, you know, a novelty. Because they are. And really, I'm going to be honest and probably piss off some people, but I like pumpkin. But at least I know it's a novelty. Like, yeah. that's why, you know, it's like, oh, at that time of year, pumpkin spice. Like, come on now. Like pumpkin right. pie, I'll eat all year round. That is yeah, amazing, right. uh, you know. But if you're dealing yeah. with drinks like coffee, I always thought it was just a novelty thing. Because why is it only around? Why is it a limited time only around in October? That's a novelty. Right. 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 I, I mean, know. see, I love hazelnut coffee. I love hazelnut beers, but I can have that whenever I want. Yeah. Now, just because you're putting nutmeg and calling it pumpkin, it just confuses the world. I don't know. Oh, so true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when, and just for the record, I do want to clarify this is a regular coffee. This is not a pumpkin spice coffee. So I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't know, man. You, you look pretty basic, Austin. You look pretty basic. <laughs> well, I am pretty basic, you know, and uh, we'll get to we'll get to what makes me basic and frustrated a little bit later on but um you have a hawks uh, shirt oh yeah Atlanta hawks okay so i don't know if you guys picked up on this but i'm from clifton park new york and kevin herter went to my school oh really yeah so i thought that was funny that was like oh yeah i can i can have that connection like throw that in there yeah you went like you went to your high school yeah he was uh two grades below me i i've talked to him a few times like way back when he's a he's a cool dude um you know i've definitely been rooting for him so yeah it's cool and then uh ian anderson who i really never spoken with um he is on the braves so if you followed the braves he came from my school as well he's a three years below me i think so oh wow Nice. Yeah. You got, nice. got like a, and now you it's like a whole factory of just like hey, what, <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying we're, we're trying over here uh, i wasn't gifted with my you know musical the musical prowess of say my father or my sister or my brother but i do have the sports knowledge i don't have the athleticism or anything like that so we're we're trying to make a name for ourselves over here i appreciate that <laughs> yeah absolutely i yeah i know you i know you come from a musical background that's pretty cool man um Nice. Well, so yeah, bears, birds, brews. So like birds could be the Hawks. It could be the Falcons and it could be, it, it was the Thrashers. We need NAB saves hockey to come back and, and bring yeah. back, you know, hockey season is coming. There bring too. back the Thrashers, right? Something like that. Um, um, well, I know one thing that I can't save and that's Carson Wentz ankles because Aaron Donald mm-hmm. broke both of them. So let's just hop into Rams versus Colts right now. I mean, yeah, Rams are looking great. I mean, they, I don't know how they gave up 24 points to Carson Wentz. Well, it wasn't all Carson Wentz, but, you know, 24 points to Carson Wentz. But the Rams, you know, are looking pretty good right now. I've been seeing Matt Stafford for, like, the past 10 years in the North. I'm glad he's not there anymore. You know, let me know. What, what do you think on um, – how are you feeling about the Rams right now? You know, my thought process, it's funny. I was just on a, um, a Colt show, and, you know, he's like, oh, just a really good win for the Rams. I'm sitting over here, I'm like, Am I, uh, I must be spoiled because yesterday was just like, it was way too close for comfort in my opinion. Um, look, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the Colts organization. I really like a lot of the players on the team. I'm a huge fan of their GM, Chris Ballard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that game was closer than I expected. And honestly, I think the reason behind it, you had a fluke interception on Matthew Stafford where, you know, the ball gets tipped at the line, completely shifts the momentum. Uh, you have some drops, you know, from Van Jefferson and, and Robert Woods. And then, you know, that that play that you'll never see ever again, probably uh, snapping the ball off of the personal protector's hip and having them go in for six. Now, to be fair, guys, when that happened and the Colts took the lead, I said, this is great. 
And you know why? Because the defense was zonked. They were so tired. The last thing I wanted is for the Rams to punt it away, have Carson Wentz go down the field, just shred up the time and score, leaving the Rams with, you know, four minutes to go. I wanted them to go right back out on the field. It was a reset. Now they're down. It's like, okay, we haven't trailed all season long. Let's, you know, get it together. And they did. They want four plays, five plays, you know, 70 yards, touchdown. And it was, you know, it was a great drive for them. They needed that. They needed to respond. So, you know, I think that was kind of the kick in the butt they needed, so to speak. Um, but as far as this, this game goes, I mean, you got to take it like it is, you know, style points don't matter. That's what Sean McVay was saying to his team, mm-hmm. you know, style points don't matter. It's all about getting that win. They're two and oh, they're two and oh, just like the Buccaneers who dropped 48, you know, they yeah. both count the same. Um, but it obviously is nice seeing Stafford just launching it like crazy on Sunday night. And then looks like the, you know, they, they get off to a great start against the Colts and then it's not to be, so to speak, they, that was not the, the way the game worked out. Um, and the big issue is though, they lost uh, Daryl Henderson. We don't know for how long we don't even know if he's, you know, not going to play this weekend. There's not really anything on it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did just send a little bit of a message to us. I, I always say, you know, actions speak louder than words. And when you see the, the transaction report come out, they get rid of a UDFA off the practice squad. Uh, in Otis Anderson, who's fairly limited for a guy that I loved in the draft. He was on the Falcons, uh, JB and Hawkins. They just added him to the practice squad. To me, that might be saying eh, Henderson might not be playing, might be activating him to be the backup, um, you know, to Jake Funk, to Sony Michelle, or, you know, to just Sony Michelle. Um, but that's really the only concern i have right now because i think so i was actually gonna ask you so you know? i was gonna ask you so sony michelle yeah. 10 carries 46 yards yesterday mm-hmm. is this and you know with daryl henderson you know going down is you know should everyone run to go pick up sony michelle on their fantasy um waivers if he's not already picked up because i know some people panic after week one and not seeing much of sony michelle you know the, the worst drops always happen between week one and week two of fantasy and that's where you can you know I did it last year. I dropped Justin Jefferson week one and I could have waited one more week and it would have been great, but no, I didn't. So it's Sony Michelle, that guy, that guy dropped week one. So it's funny you should say that because I just wrote an article. Um, it won't be posted today, but I just wrote an article on that. And I literally just put out a video like right before we went on here. Um, and it's what I did. It was my live stream yesterday. I just clipped it. But, uh, you know, I Yeah, I think you absolutely have to pick up Sony Michelle at this point. Here's why. Daryl Henderson can be a starter in this league, okay? Daryl Henderson is a very talented running back, and he's being severely underrated by many. But if he has a significant rib injury and you get a number one running back off of waivers that's on a Super Bowl contender that has Matthew Stafford at quarterback, one of the best offensive lines in football that no one wants to talk about, and you know a really good play caller in Sean McVay, yeah, you take that opportunity. I mean, this, this is my argument here is, yeah, Zach Moss is probably out there. You probably want to pick him up after his two-touchdown game. Pump the brakes a little bit. Zach Moss had 10 carries for like 28 yards. That's not really that impressive. You know, Cordero Patterson, a guy, you know, for the Falcons, had a pretty good game. But think about that, the context, garbage time, you know. 
And, and on top of that, Wayne Gallman is getting ready. You know, he's he's learning the offense. When he, Wayne Gallman gets going, I think he's going to be the back. I really do. He's he's a talented back. We saw it last year when he took over for Saquon Barkley. Um, then you know, I think the 49ers are regretting cutting him right now uh, since they don't have anybody healthy. But uh, you know, he's a, like again, I wouldn't go after Cordell Patterson. I would choose Sony Michelle. And then the other guy is uh, pretty much whoever is going to start for the 49ers. And we don't know. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's so much, there's question marks. There's, you know, well, well, Zach Moss, I don't really care. I mean, Zach Moss is still in a committee backfield, uh, you know, with Devin Singletary and Singletary is still leading the way in touches and carries. And Zach Moss is a healthy scratch week one, whereas Sony Michelle, we see him in week one, he gets one carry, right? You're like, okay, well, whatever. He was just traded to the Rams three weeks ago. Now, Jake Funk was drafted in April. He's been in minicamp. He's been in training camp. He's been preseason. I understand he's a seventh-round rookie, and he's, he's improved, and he's impressed, and all that. He's ahead of schedule. I give him a lot of props. But it says a lot that the Rams, in crunch time, because that game was close, in crunch time without Daryl Henderson, they had Jake Funk in the backfield. They didn't throw... They did not run the ball once with Funk. But then every time Michelle was back there, they ran the ball. He had 10 carries. I mean, he wasn't in the backfield for that long. And so in his second game, and he's only been with the organization for three weeks, learning this offense, his second game, he gets 10 carries. It's a good sign moving forward. And, you know, this is somebody that was, you know, statistically would have had his best year last year if he stayed healthy, averaging Mm 5.9 yards per carry. Uh, This is somebody that has extreme confidence obviously in what the Rams are doing just based on what he's been talking about but on top of that familiarity factor his former running back coach at Georgia was Thomas Brown guess who the Rams running back coach is Thomas Brown uh his best year at Georgia and by the way on top of that not only was it his best year it was his most involved year not just as running the football but the most involved he's been in the passing game in his entire career has been that one season in which Thomas Brown was his running back coach at Georgia. I mean, I, I've always liked Sony Michelle. I thought, um, you know, I thought he could, I thought he was the perfect back coming out of college, but um, I mean, I, I, I'm always straight against first round running backs. I think that's a waste of a draft pick. Just, you know, because the best running backs you can get value second, third, fourth round. Um, but, you know, I, I've always did like Sony Michelle, uh, just his ability to catch a ball out of the backfield and with this high flying offense that, you know, the Rams do have, especially with the, the receivers they have that can go deep, the un, yeah. the underneath the route is ideal for Sonny Michelle. So, you know, if he is available, I don't know if he is, but, you know, there's always that panic drop. Go He's available in Michelle. 60% of Yahoo leagues, which is just, you know, ridiculous. That's yeah. just ridiculous. So, you know. So before we move past the Rams, I just have to ask, okay, so Rams <laughs> have the best defensive player in football, Aaron Donald. They have an elite corner. I, I, I don't know if we still call him the best corner in the league. I, you know, I, I, I can't think of someone else right now because Stephon Gilmore is hurt right now. So it has to be, you know, Dylan Ramsey. He's been a lot so, better than Gilmore the last two years, I'll be honest with yeah. you. So what, what do the Rams need, you know, either on offense or defense to make sure that they do win the West, they are the number one seed in the NFC and make it back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, they need to, you know, keep developing, playing their game. Uh, you know, I, I pointed out, and it's gone somewhat viral around Rams Twitter. I pointed out that, you know, there's already fans complaining about um, 
you know, Raheem Morris and saying, Oh, I, I want Brandon Staley back, which I, I don't have an issue wanting the defensive mm-hmm. coordinator back who led the Rams to their number one defense, arguably the best defense franchise history. But at the same time, there's context here. And when you look at last year's statistics, you know, it, the first two games for the defense and this year, I mean, Raheem Morris's defense may not look as pretty as last year, but people forget Brandon Staley's didn't look that pretty either. Now we could always say, okay, well, he was doing all this preparation throughout COVID and, you know, really through most of the time was through zoom calls and no preseason to really uh, install his uh, defense, which is impressive, but I'm not trying to say that Raheem Morris is better than Staley. I'm just trying to throw out that Raheem Morris's defense in two games to Staley's two games, his defense has given up fewer points, fewer yards passing, fewer yards rushing, has more sacks, more interceptions, you know, I, I, in the same amount of forced fumbles. Like to me, it doesn't matter who is better. It just is showing that they're, they're having that consistency yet again. It's the same. If you expected them to come back from being the number one defense and be number one and just dominate teams and not allow them to move the football, you're going to be disappointed, especially next week against Tom Brady and company. But, you know, I think the Rams have to feel good about that. You know, seeing the last two games, Carson Wentz can move around the pocket. You, you played against two different quarterbacks. You played against a guy that sits there point and shoot type of uh, quarterback, you know, they, they wanted Andy Dalton to get the ball out quickly. And then you, you went up against Carson Wentz. You can make just plays that out of thin air. And so now you'll go up against Tom Brady, another guy that's, you know, he's more of a, a pocket quarterback like Dalton, but he's nothing like Dalton because he's got even a quicker release and he's not just dumping it off. Like Dalton has a quick release because he's like, okay, this guy's open. I throw Brady's already looked off, you know, three different reads. That's how, you know, he just processes things so quickly. So not to mention the receivers. I mean, it's going to be nuts, mm-hmm. but defense, yeah, the defense just has to be consistent, keep developing. Uh, it's a new defense for the most part. I mean, very similar to last year, but they don't have John Johnson and uh, they don't have Troy Hill. Uh, so those are the course of spots. Um, Michael Brockers, of course, was traded to the Lions. That's something to keep in mind. And, you know, the fact of the matter is this, you know, the offense did not play their best game on the road and they still scored 27. So I'm not worried about the Rams. I think they beat Tampa. I think they are the best team in football. Um, But it's just a matter of going through the, the, the natural motions of every season. You want to see them grow. You want to see them learn from these mistakes that they made. And I think they will. All right. Um, also, if you have anything to say on the Rams or are we ready to move on to? Well, the only thing I was going to say on the Rams is, I mean, we're only two games in and this time you got 17 games, so not 16. So like, you know, your, your conditioning, your mentality, your strategy has to be a little bit different. And then the patience, you have to have even more patience in a season like this one than last year when there's, you know, more to get through. So I think right now things are unfolding for the Rams pretty good. Uh, my question, my quick yes or no question for you, Jake, is do you think the Rams will win two of their next three games? Is that feasible? And I don't know if you know their schedule, but the next yeah. three games for those who don't know is Tampa on Sunday, Arizona after that, and then Seattle after that. I mean, it might be the hardest three-game stretch in the entire league, at least for the next three weeks, if not for 
a team this entire year. And of course, they're going to have to see Seattle and Arizona both again later on too. So it's not going to get any easier for the Rams. But I mean, I think two out of the next three, if the Rams do that, it would say, yeah, I mean, you could you could punch home in for the Super Bowl and pretty feel pretty confident about it. Even if they win one of those, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. But um, the Rams have their like playoff tests like li- literally lined up one after another. And, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with them. That's my final thought on that. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you look at those three games. Obviously, they're tough. I mean, you see what Tampa Bay is doing right now. I mean, Tom Brady's thrown nine touchdowns in two straight games. And, you know, uh, two games, not two straight. That'd be insane. (laughs) Um, And he's coming off his Super Bowl appearance. You see that, look, this defense, though, you can still throw on. You know, the, the defense is not fully healthy. This is the time to play them. This is the most important game of the entire NFL season, including all the games, because I feel like the two best teams are Tampa and the Rams, and they're playing week three to decide a potential tiebreaker in the NFC, which is going to pretty much decide, in my opinion, the landscape of this conference and maybe even the league. I mean, you just think about that. You know, it's going to be crazy. Um, So what I will say is that I think the Rams do win the next three. Um, I think that they are slightly better than Tampa, and they're also at home. They beat Tampa last year before they rattled off a bunch of wins, um, and that was on the road with Jared Goff. My point here is that, look, you know, Jared Goff and this Rams team had a chance in just about every game last year, and Jared Goff did not play that well. At the start of the season, Jared Goff is promising. But now you have Matthew Stafford, who literally keeps you alive in every game. You have to keep this in mind. When the Rams were down, it was like they were out because they didn't have the deep ball anymore. Goff did not want to throw the deep ball and really couldn't. And so now you have that equalizer and the speedsters and Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson. Cooper Cup is doing a great job of you know taking the top off the defense. Uh, you know, Tyler Higby showing you some good things early on. And then, of course, Robert Woods, just a model of consistency um, and reliability over the middle. Regardless of your running back is, they can still win games just by throwing the football. And that's another thing. Tom Brady's doing that right now. Like, if you look, who is running the football well for Tampa Bay? You know, I haven't been overly impressed. I mean, Fournette ran 4.7 yards per carry against the Falcons. 11 carries. Falcons. But yeah, it's against the Falcons and, you know, they couldn't run against the Cowboys. So it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> hello there. Uh, so, you know, I look at the Rams. I'm like, this is going to be a shootout against them. I think the Rams win 38-34. And then you look, I believe it's the Cardinals next and then Seattle. Um, and so with that, I just think, you know, first off, the Rams with Sean McVay's tenure, they're undefeated against the Cardinals. Uh, Sean McVay has um, Cliff Kingsbury's number. And if Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals just went out and just destroyed the Vikings after beating the Titans the way they did. I'd be a little concerned. I'd be like, okay, all right. They pretty much should have lost that game. I mean, just about 99% of kickers are making that field goal. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, to to win on a 37-yard miss, I mean, obviously give Kyler Murray a ton of credit. You know, he had a monster game. But also what is going unsaid about that game Kyler Murray also had two picks. They have been susceptible to wanting to, you know, go for the big play and getting picked off and turning the ball over. And the Rams are capitalizing on those turnovers and the Rams are generating those turnovers 
even when, you know, they don't, you know, plays don't really warrant a turnover. So I think if you're going to be, you know, careless with the football, I think the Rams could have a huge day against Kyler Murray. Uh, they already know how to stop him. They know how to play that running quarterback because Russell Wilson. Um, so I feel good about them beating them. And then Seattle, I think it's in Seattle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I just, to me, the Rams have already proven they can beat Seattle. And if you look last season, they kicked them right in the face against, uh, you know, in, in LA and then in Seattle, they are outplaying Seattle, uh, going into the half Jared Goff for no reason at all throws just a, a butterfly and it gets picked off. And it changes the whole course of the game. He then breaks his thumb uh, in that game. And that game was still close. So it's funny because like Jamal Adams, for instance, is somebody like he was just he was dogging on the Rams. He's like, well, we won the division last year. I'm like, but you 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 lost the wild card round like you you hosted a playoff game and lost that team. Why are you bragging about winning the division? The division is meaningless if you're losing in the first round of the playoffs. Seattle hasn't gotten the first round in the playoffs in a while. I think it's like 2016, 2015. They lose a lot. So, you know, I, I, right now, um, I have them last place in the MC West. Coming in the year, I had them at, wow. I think, 7 and 10. I'm not as high on them as everyone else. And the reason being is that I think they're very predictable. They, you know, they want to they wanna go deep to Tyler Lockett. They want to go deep to DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett has been killing it but it's also been against the Titans who have no secondary and the Vikings who, you know, we have Mike Zimmer who claims that he knows defense, but for whatever reason, can't field the defense. So I don't know how that guy's still a head coach. Um, but yeah. you know, you look at the Rams, and you're like, are you doing that on Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams? You're not. Cause you couldn't do it at all last, uh, last year. So, you know, I just think that the teams have way too much experience with each other, but the Rams have gotten the best of the Seahawks in recent and they're a better team now with Stafford. So I think the thing that kept these games close was the fact that the Rams had Jared Goff, who was prone to just turning the ball over out of the blue and didn't want to throw deep down the field. And now you have Stafford who wants to throw deep down the field and is just putting the ball where it needs to be. And it's been, it's been great for him. And he's only in game three this weekend in learning this offense. So, so it could only get worse. I, I will say that um, – well, I will confirm that the game is at Seattle. So, that the other thing is uh, with Matt Stafford, yeah, like I've always liked Matt Stafford, but Matt Stafford does have that cutler in him, does have that in him where he is going to have some picks coming up. And I've always loved Matt Stafford. I was actually hoping the Bears would pull off a trade for Matt Stafford before the Bears got Justin Fields. I saw that. But – but, um, you know, that it would have been hard for the Lions to trade Matt Stafford to the Bears. It wouldn't have happened. But Matt Stafford will have those picks. I mean, everyone's seen it, you know, but Matt Stafford is a very underrated quarterback. You know, he was doing Mahomes things before Mahomes is doing them. Yeah, so absolutely. Oh, great fit over there. Um, but I do want to I do want to say that, hey, you know, the Rams do look good. And, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, are they going to be the best team in the NFC? I don't know. Are they the you're saying they're either the one or two best team in football? That's interesting. You know, uh, I'm still even though the Chiefs did lose yesterday, I'm still holding on to the Chiefs. I'll be late to that party. Yeah, the, the Chiefs issue, I think, is that their defense has just been very bland. You know, they, they haven't mm -hmm. really gone out and gotten anybody, you know, as of late. 
um, you know, I feel like they're really missing just like one. They're missing an Aaron Donald type of player. I mean, I love Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like Tyra Matthew. You know, I like Legereus Sneed. He's a late round corner that they got um, who's played well. But it just this team gets turnovers. And then all of a sudden people forget that the defense just isn't that great. Like they gave mm-hmm. up 36 points last night. Um, the Browns were throwing all over them. They only beat the Browns because the Browns had a special teams turnover where, mm-hmm. you know, if you really think about that, a box snap changed the entire game. So I, I don't know. I just, I don't buy into the chiefs. Um, I, I love their, and, and I'll be honest with you. I don't really love their offense. I think it works well because you have Mahomes. but if you took away Mahomes, you put like, you know, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, whatever. Um, I don't think it works the same because Mahomes is really setting up all sorts of things with his mobility. And, you know, like obviously Russell Wilson can play in the offense, but it's, it's Kelsey and it, it's, uh, you know, it's Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Hill. Uh, and I, I you know, we say, saw that in the Super Bowl. It, it's like, I you can't win I'm, that way. I, uh, I am a little disappointed in um, Edwards Hilaire. I thought he would take the next step. I do feel like, you know, if he doesn't step up the next game, they're going to be, going more running more running with Williams going forward. Um he's a good yeah. back. I yeah, think that they would be out to I think that they would try to to make a trade to be honest. If, if Hilaire just can't do it, I, I would not be surprised if they go out and try to trade for somebody. I would like I wouldn't be shocked at all because you look at over um you know with Seattle. Um I don't know why they drafted Rashad Penny and I'm not really a fan but I could absolutely see them training for like Rashad Penny, former first round pick, kind of like mm-hmm. a Sony Michelle deal where it's like, he just needs a change of scenery. Chris Carson's clearly the guy just like Damian Harris is clearly the guy in new England. I could see them training for like a Rashad Penny or somebody like that to really, you know, help them. Or maybe Arizona says, you know what? We kind of made a mistake, you know, getting James Connor. I think James Connor in Kansas city might be something. So I, I just, if, if Hilaire doesn't end up being the guy that they drafted him to be, that's a huge miss because mm-hmm. here I am 100%. saying I'm not a big fan of their defense. That's a first round premium pick you spent on a running back. Yeah. And then that's why you never take uh, running backs in the first round. And Rashard Penny's another example. Why? Um, <laughs> I had a yeah. third round grade on him. I will never understand the hype. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh. Uh, the, the only running back I semi understood in the first round was Saquon Barkley. And even then not in the top 10. So oh, I, I loved him. Um, I will say Najee Harris is every bit the running back that, you know, he needs to be, to be a first round pick. Todd Gurley ended up being worth it, you know, for three years, four years. Um, right. Melvin but, but Gordon, see, the, he's been but, underrated. But, yeah, but 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 with that with that mo- the Todd Gurley model could have worked if you didn't never sign him to an extension. You have to just get the five years and let him go. Five <laughs> years and let him go. Well, that's the thing, and you know, I think I personally don't care about certain positions. I would and would not pick in the first round. I personally don't. I mean, if the, I, I'm going to pick the best guy available, because if I didn't pick the best guy available, Aaron Donald wouldn't be a Ram. You know what I mean? Like that type yeah. of deal. You know. Um, yeah. I will I never understand to this day. <laughs> I'll never understand this day. I won't understand how he made it to the teens. But mm-hmm. furthermore, the Giants are at 12. They just lose Linval Joseph in free agency, a key defensive interior lineman. And he goes to the Vikings. They have receivers. And they draft Odell Beckham Jr. And I love the guy. 
I think he's a star when he's healthy, but come on. I don't know. Is it like, cause he played in the ACC. We didn't want to give him actual credit. Like Aaron Donald, when he was in that draft, I was like, no brainer. I'd pick him number one. Him and Clowney are by far the best. And I like Mac. I honestly liked Bortles a little bit. And I liked um, Anthony Barr, but dear God, I do not know how. I'm glad, but I don't know how the Giants picked Odell over him. I will never understand it. It didn't make any sense because Donald was the best player on the board. And the only issue anybody could ever, you know, talk about with him is his height, which it's like, who cares? So congrats. He's yeah. not going to be swatting passes down like J.J. Watt. It doesn't matter. He's going to be sacking quarterbacks just as much as Watt. And he's like a ninja with his hand usage. And he only got better over time. So it's like, it just goes to show you, man, you, you pick the best player available. I feel like a lot of these teams get so caught up in, you know, well, but the crazy thing is with the, the Giants is that he was the best player available and he was a need. Yeah. Um, he's a nightmare. Yeah, that's the easiest way you can say about him. And uh, speaking of that, you know, we are about to transition into October. So mm. I, I know you have a couple of things going on. You are, you're a horror movie buff. So could you give our listeners you know, just a couple of horror movies to watch this October during Halloween? Yes, I can. That's right up my alley. So, all right. Well, I will say this. I finally saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, this year. It is a masterpiece, the original 1974 film. Um, and I thought it was funny because I never saw it because I thought it was like the splatter, you know, like like splatter horror, or horror porn, whatever the hell people want to call it. Torture porn. That's what it is. And I just kind of and I just kind of like sat here, like watching it, waiting for it to get like really gruesome and everything. And I'm like, it's the 70s. So I'm like, it's not going to get too gruesome, right? Guys, it's really unfortunate how the title Texas Chainsaw Massacre has people who've never seen it just be like, oh, you don't want to see it. It's just it's violent. It's disgusting. There's so much gore and everything. I mean, I love, you know, gore that's made practically and not really with CGI, but like there's hardly any gore in it. It has this rep, like this bad rap. So if you find yourself at home listening to this and you're like, Jake, I thought Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like a splatter film. It's not, at least the original one is not. I've watched all of them. I can tell you they get gruesome over <laughs> at, over time, but the first one is the masterpiece of it all. And after all of them, it's, I enjoy them. But like there's one with like Michael, uh, no, Matthew McConaughey, who's just like he like screams really loud. I find it really funny. I don't really find it to be horror. The second one is a horror comedy. It's it's like a spoof hmm. on the first one. So uh, don't even try to understand the like the canon of it, like the storyline. It is all convoluted. There's going to be a 2021 film. I have no idea when it's coming out this year, but we're almost at the end of 21. So I assume it's coming soon. Uh, the next Texas Chainsaw movie. But definitely see Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Masterpiece. Another one, I mean, I, I don't know if I have to tell you this, but if you've never seen Halloween before, definitely make sure you watch <laughs> Halloween and, you know, around Halloween time. Um, let's see, another one. You know, really underrated, and I never hear it mentioned as one of the greatest, but it's one of the newer ones. And it's called, well, it's not that new, but it, it's modern day somewhat, and it's called The Cabin in the Woods. And <laughs> It is just so, I mean, it's so creative. They do have CGI, but they do it so well. And they actually had a lot of practical stunts and a, a practical gore and things that they made 
uh, like with makeup artists and things like that, which I really respect. They put a lot of effort in that. And, you know, you could argue that I'm going to put it like this so I don't spoil it. You could argue it canonizes every horror film that you've ever watched before. It is that it's pretty crazy, like the the substance of it. Um, and then, you know, there's other ones out there. If you want to see just a just bizarre movie, a, a home invasion type of horror movie with uh, someone basically she's deaf. <laughs> so like it's just like she's being invaded and this guy it's called Hush. So I highly recommend that. And then I'll probably just I'll throw one more out there. I'll say I'll say Sinister. Um, it's not for the faint of heart, but Sinister is one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's done so well. Be Ghoul is terrifying. If you know, you know. Um, so I would say Sinister is definitely, uh, you know, the, the last one I mentioned. There's so many, but, you know, just yeah. to mention a bunch of them. There's you got plenty, though. If you've never watched horror before, I'm a, I'm like jealous of people that have never experienced this before, but they're like into it. Like they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it because I want to go through that when I finally watched it for the first time. Like I was I had people jealous of me holding out to watch Texas Chainsaw until 2021 because I'm like, man, this thing is just awesome. I mean, it really it set the tone for the whole genre, you know, and, you know, the the Friday the 13th series, which I think is the most overrated and people hate me for saying that. Um Friday the 13th series wouldn't have actually, well, it might've happened still, but it was heavily inspired by uh, a Bay of blood, which is a 71 film. So it, it's cool because those seventies films, they don't get like the same recognition all the time. A Bay of blood does not get any recognition whatsoever. Uh, I think it's solid. I don't think it's the, the greatest, but I can see the, the, you know, inspiration behind it. Um, I just think it's really cool. You know, I've been kind of, lately I've just been following horror movies. I watch one every night, just watch Clyde Barker's Hellraiser the other night. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but you know, it's like, I just like the way all of these kind of connect and you, what you'll find is like, Oh, okay. That's Wes Craven's, uh, you know, nightmare on Elm street. And then, Oh wait, Wes Craven also did scream. So it's like, you see these connections, different makeup artists go to different projects. You see the similarities, you see producers, things along that nature, um, it's just really cool. And it's a genre to me where it gets a bad rep because it can be so bad. Like when a horror movie misses the mark, it's the worst movie imaginable. Uh, but when they hit the mark, I still don't think they get enough credit. I think people just kind of look at them as tacky and novelty. Um, but they're so awe inspiring. And, you know, I could go back and say, you know, 13 ghosts, which was made, I think in like 2000 and 13 ghosts, you might not realize it, but a lot of the guys that worked on that set and created the 13 ghost house, they all got hired by uh, Marvel Studios and they did all the Avengers set and everything. Oh, so, wow. you know, it's all it's all these, uh, you know, these beginnings, not everything, not every horror movie person stays in horror movies. They go somewhere else. But, you know, the, the film industry in general, it's just incredible how much everything just kind of coincides and twists together. Nice, nice, awesome. Um, so I, I, I think you have to wrap soon. So two yeah. last questions before we do do that. Yeah, and these are just quick answers. I need a prediction. Does Justin Fields start the rest of the season for the Bears, and will Matt Ryan be a Falcon next year? Oh damn! Um, <laughs> <laughs> we one was easy. One was yeah. easy. Uh, Matt Ryan should be requesting a trade with all due respect. Uh, 
I, I, I don't even know, man. Um, his contract is, is kind of ridiculous. So that's the problem is it's yeah. really hard to 41 trade million that. in dead money next year. Yeah. See, that's, it's really hard to trade that. I mean, he's worth that. If you give him protection, this is a top 10 quarterback when, you know, healthy and protected. And, you know, I mean, he's got the weapons to do it, but they had a shot in this game. <laughs> they actually still had a shot in this game. And it's like, you know, obviously the box score comes back and you're like, oh, Matt Ryan threw three picks. He sucks. He still had an 80. He, he still had an 80 passer rating because he played that well, despite those turnovers. Think about that. So I don't know. I, I look at him and I think not to mention, I don't even know what they're doing with the run game. You, you can't run the ball nine times with your starting running back. It's just, you know, Matt, I think Matt Ryan is in a spot where, I mean, we, we could see one of those rare intra-conference trades, him and, and Russell Wilson and picks, uh, you know, for Russell Wilson, because I don't, I think Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand he's making it work right now. Um, you, maybe we see Matt Ryan in green Bay and Aaron Rodgers comes to the Falcons. Uh, but okay. I'm not I hope. I'm going to be surprised if Matt Ryan gets traded. Um, and, and you know, I, I understand I really like Arthur Smith and what he's done for Tannehill. Um, and I was really hoping he'd be the guy for the Falcons it's way too early to say if he is or not. And, and it's, it's a big thing because you, you lost a ton of, you know, a ton of bodies in the secondary. Um, but it's like, I mean, the offensive line, you, you're just not, you're not getting it. You know, it's it, Jake Matthews isn't getting any younger. You know, I, I really like Chris Lidstrom, um, but it's like, I just, the Drew Dahlman pick was confusing to me and I liked him. I just thought it was confusing where they got him. Um, I mean, this is a guy that the offensive line has ruined his opportunity to win a Super Bowl. If Ryan Schrader didn't get hurt, the Falcons win the Super Bowl. We never hear about Tom Brady's comeback. Ryan Trader got hurt, and then Tom Compton, who is a walking turnstile, comes in and just gets Matt Ryan absolutely obliterated, and then that started everything. So I, it sucks because I respect the Falcons, but I'm like, if you're Matt Ryan, you're like, come on. I came this close to winning a Super Bowl. I haven't gotten anywhere near that close since. I, it, you know, it has to be frustrating for him. So I think it ends up in a trade. Um, I hope it, it gets resolved either way. I mean, you know, I'd like Matt Ryan. I want him to succeed. He's Hall of Fame quarterback to me, no doubt. Um, you know, he's great and very underrated. But I just think at this point, he might have to make a tough decision and be like, I can't win here. You, I, Not only can I well, not win here, I'm going to be buried underneath the turf. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Julio Jones more or less made that decision. And yeah. I mean, at least yesterday it worked out for him because he got a W. But, um, and what I will the say, thing he said is oh. yes. But yeah, Nabil, go for it. Yeah. I will say, yeah, before you do go in, I, we do want you to let, let us know our, our listeners can hear you as well. But one place we may see Matt Ryan go next year, Washington football team. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, yeah. That's a good one. Um, uh, hey, thanks so much, Jake. Can you let, let everyone know where they can find you? Absolutely. Thank you so much for guys for having me. You can find me at JK Bogan on Twitter. Um, all my stuff is there. It's in my link tree. So I'm think I'm just going to start saying you can follow me at JK Bogan. Follow me on Twitter. If you want to see my stuff, it's all in the link. Uh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Cool. Thank you very much. Have a good one. We'll talk soon. Maybe when the Rams are in the Super Bowl. 
might have hey, to get on. We'll see what's going I'm on. I'm always I'm always down for you guys. So you guys need me, I'll be on. All right. Yeah. Appreciate that. Same to you, man. We'll be here whenever you need us. Talk soon. Thank you. And uh we'll be watching these games closely the next three weeks for the Rams for sure. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Local oh, yeah, man. Cheers Boom. with the invisible. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, with that. A sparkling ice caffeine, baby. Oh yeah. Be back. Cheers. 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 Um, nice. Good stuff there. And um, there you go, Nabil. What's up, man? How's it going? It's just me and you, my friend. We're back. Oh, just us now? Down to two. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's just keep it rolling. Let's just keep it rolling. Um, cool. So if you heard a little bit in the earlier part, uh, you know, there was a Justin Fields sighting. So we're just going to jump right into the bears Bengals. You down with that, Austin? Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. Cool. So, um, going to the Bears game, we had uh, Bear, Bengals at Bears, and, um, you know, we had the game going. Andy Dalton started off started off looking pretty good, too. Had a couple of good drives, got an opening, got a touchdown on the opening drive. And then after that, you know, he hurt his knee, and then the Justin Fields show started. And, you know, it wasn't the best um, showing of Justin Fields, but it was still – Justin Fields and it was a lot to see um, some positives you know he's very mobile he made a key first down at the end of the first at the end of the fourth quarter to basically seal the game um, had a couple of good passes that were drops uh, some penalties that happened on the offense but my biggest concern right now for Justin Fields is it doesn't seem like he's in rhythm with the offense there were a lot of false starts that were on him I think there were three false starts that were put on Justin Fields, which you normally don't see a false start on a quarterback. But yeah, yeah, there were three false starts on Justin Fields and a few on the offensive line. So that's something that hopefully is fairly easy to clean up in practice, but can get cleaned up in practice Um, and with more reps. Um, You know, the good news coming out of uh, camp uh, out of um, house hall today was that Andy Dalton did not tear his ACL. It is a bone bruise. He's out at least one to two weeks, it looks like. So we will most likely be seeing Justin Fields return to Ohio this week. Yes, because the Bears are playing in Cleveland. Uh, we'll preview that game in a minute, but I can't go much further talking about this game without talking about the defense, especially with how bad the defense played last week against the Rams. This week they played amazing. Now they had a few plays, a few dumb plays that does that does need to get cleaned up. But we had caused four turnovers, three interceptions on back to back to back plays. Did you see that, Asif? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? I yeah, I I heard about it this morning. Joe I didn't Burrow. Get to watch any of the game yesterday, but I did hear that it's like crazy, like almost probably never well, happened before in NFL history. Where well, it happened like, one time before. So Joe Burrow threw three consecutive on three consecutive plays through three consecutive interceptions, and the last person to do that was actually. Um, Ryan Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh yeah, he was one who did that last. It looked like he did it for the Titans a few years ago. Um, but yeah, the defense did have a great bounce back performance. Sean Desai's defense looks like it is coming into play. Um, you know, and they're going to have a tough opponent this week uh, going against the Browns. Just want to make sure I don't need to talk about anything else in the. Well, no, okay. Right. I was going to say, with Justin Fields, the, the, you talked about him not being in rhythm. Obviously, having a week of practice with the ones mm-hmm. and then another week of practice with the ones because he's at least locked in for two weeks as a starter. I mean, I think you'll see it cleaned up. And then I know you're going to talk more about it, 
but also maybe they have the best stat line for Justin Fields, but he won the game, right? And yeah. That is arguably the most important stat of all. Is he got the W, one W for Justin Fields on their center. And uh, anyway, back to Ohio now. Yeah. So this week we do have the Bears going to Cleveland, um, you know, but there are, there are some things that have to come into play. It looks like Jarvis Landry will be out for a week or two, but we may see the return of Odell Beckham. So adjust your fantasy rosters accordingly. Um, the other thing, um, you know, with Jarvis Landry being potentially out and maybe no Odell Beckham and a hurt Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield will probably play, but he is hurt. I'm thinking it's going to be a heavy run game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And that means we need the Bears will need Eddie Goldman back. Eddie Goldman is going to be a key for us winning this game. Um, and, you know, outside of that, you know, we got Miles Garrett coming around the corner trying to trying to sack Justin Fields. So the offensive line would have to be in key. And we just can't have drop passes. Um, Allen Robinson dropped a touchdown by Justin Fields. Um, Darnell Mooney, I mean, you could say that it was a little outside of the stretch, outside of his hands, but I don't know. Like if it hits your hands, you should catch it, in my opinion. And Darnell Mooney dropped would have been a touchdown. So there was two key plays that were drops and a lot of penalties. So you know, for us to win this game this week, I'm looking for you know Bears versus Browns. Our Browns are a very good team. And, I was gonna say, uh, you, like. They, this is a great match. This is a, their playoff team. I mean, I want yeah. I don't want to say a favorite in the AFC, but I mean, if the Browns are not one of the last, I mean, they're one of the last four teams standing in the AFC last year. You know, not a whole lot has changed that wouldn't put them in position to compete again this year. They are a legitimate competitor. Yeah. This is a great opportunity for the Bears to show up and say, "Hey, we can do this. We can compete with the best of the best if we need to or when we have to." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, Browns are a seven and a half point favorite. Um, if if the Bears want to win this game, key number one, you gotta run the ball with Montgomery more. Yeah, you ran some of Montgomery um, last week, but he didn't get enough carries. Uh, you gotta run the ball with Montgomery a lot more. Um, the next thing I want to see, you guys have the Bears got a tight end in Cole Komet. You drafted him in the second round. Use him. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, target him more. I know you have Allen Robinson. I know you have Darnell Mooney. I know we have Marquise Goodwin and all these speedsters. But you know what a quarterback's best friend is, especially a young quarterback's best friend? A tight end. A tight end he can just key in on. And you know what that'll do? That'll keep the eyes of the safety. That'll have linebackers looking at him. And then that's when Darnell Mooney runs open. That's when you get to go deep. So, you know, and, and, and Matt Nagy knows this. I, you know, I, I don't know shit about football compared to Matt Nagy, but come on, like Cole Komet, you got to, you got to feed him more. I mean, you, you've wasted two games barely getting him the ball. Feed well, Cole Komet. And, and when but, you have gotten him the ball in, in the last couple of games, like it's worked, right? It's not like, it's not like it's yeah. not working. At least in the first game, they threw him the ball a little bit early on and he was able to yeah. like, do stuff with it. You know, it's and, working. And, and the other thing is, if if it doesn't work with Cole Komet, then at least you know Cole Komet isn't the tight end of the future, you know. And then bring in Jesse James, or then bring in Jimmy Graham, just to you know try to help move the change. Because if Cole Komet isn't the tight end, you know that's that, that's another L in um, Ryan Pace's book. But you know at least then you know you need to target a tight end. You need to get a tight end in Chicago. Um, you know, so you know key number one, Robert Montgomery. Key number two get Cole come at the ball key number three 
let Roquan roam. I mean, Roquan Smith is doing everything. I mean, I think I think it's officially time when I can say Roquan Smith is the best defensive player on the Bears. Roquan Smith might be the best player on the Bears right now because wow. Roquan is doing everything for Chicago. And yeah, that means, huh. hey, yeah, Khalil Mack had a sack last week. He, he was pressuring, but I don't know. I feel like Roquan Smith's name comes up a lot more than Khalil Mack's name does lately. So that's the last key. I mean, hey, Khalil, I, you know, they're going to run the ball a lot more. They're going to pass it this week. But when they do pass it, you need to sack Baker Mayfield. So and then after that, whatever Justin Fields, it's just a cherry on top because this is his first start. I'm not I, I don't need Justin Fields to be, you know, Ohio State Justin Fields. I just need Justin Fields to keep the ball going. Well, the, and the thing, the benefit that Justin Fields has that Andy Dalton doesn't have is people want Fields to play. They want him in the game and they want him to do well. Chicago fans didn't necessarily want Andy Dalton to do well. And obviously they don't have an impact on what happens on the field, but putting that energy out there, knowing that like you can't even make a little mistake like even mm-hmm. a false start or intentional grounding for Andy Dawn is going to bring on the booze. Whereas yeah. for Justin Fields, it's like, all right, dude, no worries. Get back out there. Let's do it again. You know, you got this. So I, I agree with all of what you said. And about Roquan Smith, it's just a matter of like, you made the pick. Now's the time for the pick to pay off, right? Like you knew he wasn't going to yeah. come in and be the guy right away, but you did draft him to be a guy, the key guy at some point sooner rather than later. And that time is now. Because what yep. we know about the NFL, it's a win-now league, right? I mean, yeah. Jake didn't get to really say it explicitly, but Matt Stafford went to the Rams because they're trying to win now. Justin Fields yeah. is ready to win now. That's why you have to play him now. That's you know what, what we're you doing. Know what, you know what NFL stands for, right? Not for What's long. Up? Because not no one long. has that much time in the football. It's, it's not for long. Yeah. All right. Um, Speaking of not for long, it might be Matt Ryan not for long in Atlanta because he is getting beat up. Um, awesome. <laughs> Talk to me. Talk to me, man. How, how are you doing? How, are, did you get sacked on Sunday, too? Did you get, man, did you get I, beat up on Sunday, too? I, I have not been sacked in like three and a half months, if that's what you're asking me, unfortunately. So we're working oh, on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't got my preseason reps in yet, either. Maybe I got to get some swiping yeah. done. I don't know. But uh, – no, I'm just kidding. But in terms of Matt Ryan, bro, I think – well, I'll just say with the Falcons, as a Falcons fan, I'm numb right now. Like, I, I'm, like, kind of in shock about yesterday, but I'm also just, like – I don't – like, I, I think it's too soon to say Atlanta going to Atlanta in terms of, like, oh, it happened. You know, like, they had a chance and they – I don't think this was an Atlanta going to Atlanta situation. I'm not officially going to bring it out for the first time this season yet. However, I will say it was one of those games where it's just like any other team in the NFL, I feel like could have done something in that situation, except for the Falcons, you know, like I'm so numb to the point where it's more impressive how they find ways to lose games than when they actually compete. And a couple of things I just want to say to Falcons fans is like, I'm seeing a lot of Falcons fans saying like, Oh, I'm surprised. And I'm impressed. We were able to keep up and compete. Like, Keep in mind, this Dan Quinn-led team last season had the Bucks beat for the entire first half of a game last year. It's not like they, you know, it, I mean, like, I don't get why people are so surprised that Atlanta was able to keep up, whereas I'm, maybe I'm an optimistic Falcons fan, crazily, thinking like, yeah. well, you do have 
good players. You do you did get a good head coaching candidate. You do have a great player on defense and Grady Jerry that can cause some sort of disruption up there. And AJ Terrell is also showing that he's good at at least taking the wide receiver one for the other team. Like I'm not surprised that the Falcons were able to compete, but the set the with the problem with this team is what everybody said this so far is like the line cannot hold anything. The line is not being protected. The line is not being uh, thought about strategically at all. Because even going into the fourth quarter, if you know Jalen Mayfield has been struggling, which he did a lot better yesterday than he did week one. And presumably he's going to do a lot better week three and four. But in terms of like the blitzes were not picked up, the passes that were tipped at the line you can't have eight pass. I mean, that's what happens when you have eight passes tipped to the line. Like, of course, some of them are going to be intercepted, and one of them is inevitably probably going to go for a pick six because you're giving the defense eight chances to take the ball away from you. And turnovers are killer in this league. They've killed the Falcons literally for years now. And what do we talk about going into last week's game? You got to have sustained long drives. The Falcons did that in the third quarter. They were not able to do that early in the game, and they were not able to do that late in the game. But when they were able to do it during the game for the few plays that they were, they made it a three-point game. So sustain the drives because you're built for that. One. Two, the other keys to the game, I mean, it's it's like you weren't going to keep up with Tampa Bay's talent offensively or defensively. But you can at least play smart football. And for the most part, the Falcons did that when it came to keeping the penalties low, right? Um, the Falcons were doing that. They didn't have the right play calling. And especially in situations when you're looking at, like, in short yardage situations in the game yesterday, third and one, fourth and one, uh, or third and two and fourth and one, and, and those, like, five instances that happened in the game yesterday, the Falcons not only did not convert any of those downs, but they also gained a grand total of zero yards on all of those short yardage plays and lay in the count. So, I mean, like you can't do that. And then for the defense, you can't even blame them for giving up 48 points because two of them were scored by on interceptions, which I'm not going to blame Matt Ryan for. Could he have thrown better? Was Kyle Pitts wide open on the very last play? of the, the second pick six in the middle of the field. He was actually, if you go back and look at the tape, number eight is wide open beyond the chains in the middle of the field on that play. And he didn't get the ball, but I, I can't blame that on the quarterback again, when he literally doesn't have the same time to think about a play like everybody else. But at the same time too, I think a lot of Falcons fans are upset with Matt Ryan and it's not my place to say yay or nay. I think it's just a matter of like, when you have an opportunity to close you have to close. That's what Tom Brady is so great at. That's what Bill Belichick is great at. That's what, you know, that's how you win games. Patrick Mahomes saw the openings and he took advantage of them. If you want to win, you have to close. If it's a three-point game and you start the ball with momentum going into the fourth quarter, you cannot go to Cordell Patterson on third and one against the best rushing defense in the league. Like I, you know, and it's unfortunate because the Falcons are still trying to figure it out and they just happen to not get the job done against a division opponent who is the best team in the league if you're looking at, like, the reigning defending Super Bowl champions, right? Like, that would have been a great opportunity to turn things around. And lastly, I'll just say that the Falcons have not, by the time they play next Sunday against the Giants, 
the Falcons will have not won a football game in 300 days when it comes to kickoff next Sunday. 301 days, to be exact. So that's okay. what you're looking at in Atlanta. I'm numb to it, dude. I don't even know what to say. So let, let's let's just take a look at next week then. Um, you got Falcons at Giants, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. What, like, how, how do the – it's two struggling teams, two teams that don't really have an identity. Um, no. So what, what do these – like, what are you looking to see the Falcons do to get the, to get the edge? Because so, one of these two teams are going to correct themselves next week. Absolutely. And, and I doubt it's going to end in a tie. So one of these team, two teams are going to correct themselves while the other is just going to go down the path of misery. How do the Falcons make sure they correct themselves? What needs so, to happen? Yeah, so before we talk about that, I do want to say the Giants are coming into this game 0-2, but they're a drop touchdown pass that was, should have been caught wide open and or – a bad offsides, which is the right call, but just a bad me- mental mistake at the end of the last game away from being one and one, right? Like the Giants should have won their last game. And the Falcons, the closest they've been in any game this season is like, well, they've lost both of the games by 20 plus points. The Giants haven't been that bad. At least they weren't that bad against Washington. So I think the Giants should get a lot more credit coming into this game that they're getting because we've seen Daniel Jones has come on a little bit stronger. They have weapons now on offense. They even have more weapons in the receiving core than they did last year, right? Because they got Kenny Galladay now. And then Saquon is back too. And Joe Judge has already said, we're going to get him going slowly but surely. So Saquon is going to come off 10 days of rest. The Giants are going to have 10 days to prepare for this game. So what do we need to see from the Falcons? I think you need to go to what works best. If you got to start the game in tempo, and make sure that the pass rush doesn't get settled in, then do that early on. You have to score points. You have to score more touchdowns. The Falcons scored three or four touchdowns yesterday. That's the most touchdowns they've scored in the game in probably a very long time, I'm willing to bet. Uh, You need to score more points. And then you also defensively, I mean, Daniel Jones is good, but he's not Tom Brady. Like, it should be relatively easier to keep him in check, to have disruption at the line, do what the Bucks defense did. Get your hands up at the line. If you can't pressure the quarterback, at least tip some passes, right? Give your defenders a chance. And then lastly, the, the Falcons secondary, I'm a little worried right now because A.J. Terrell left the game yesterday with a concussion. We don't know what his status is, but presumably he's not – I mean, if he's in concussion protocol and that – You assume he's happens, out. Yeah, he's not going to play next week. And it looks like A.J. Terrell's backup uh, – gave up the key third and one or fourth and one to the Bucks yesterday because A.J. Terrell had to come out the game. And literally a play later, the backup can't come and make that tackle to stop the short run. So the secondary just has to play sound. They have to keep up with Sterling Shepard. And they have to keep up with Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay. Like, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely cannot let either of those guys beat you. And then up front cause more disruption offensively. Just keep building on the stuff that you did. Get Kyle Pitts more involved. Get Calvin Ridley more involved. Kind of like you said with Cole Komet. Make their plays intentional. Design a play specifically for Calvin Ridley like multiple times during the game. I feel like he he's only had 10 receptions this whole season. I mean, for a wide receiver one, he should at least be getting like 10 targets a game if you can game plan it right, right? Kyle Pitts was the leading receiver on the Falcons yesterday at 70 yards. 
that's great for a rookie. If he can get 70 against the Bucks, he could get at least 100 touchdown, uh, 100 uh, yards and a touchdown, touchdowns. ideally. I mean, man, at this point, I don't even know if the 100 touchdowns is going to help the Falcons save the lead, to be honest. But let's just start with 100 yards and a touchdown for Calvin Ridley and score touchdowns, man, and just play sound football. Do not let Matt Ryan get sacked because if you do, the game is going to be over as soon as it starts and you can't have that. Uh, we are way over on time, so we're going to quickly go into predictions. I'm just going to say my predictions, and Austin's going to say his. Bears at Browns. Browns are in a seven-and-a-half favorite. Um, my biases are coming in. I got the Bears winning. I'm going to have the Bears win 28-24. Um, Falcons at Giants. Giants are a three-point favorite. I have the Falcons getting their first win of the season, winning 24-21. And Packers at 49ers. 49ers are a four-point favorite. Aaron Rodgers is going to show up in California, his home state. Uh, they're going to win 35-31. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to take the Browns on the first game. I'm going to take okay. Cleveland uh, 28-17. I think, you know, Cleveland just has a better team. I mean, they're more yeah. – they should be winning this game, right? So I'm going to take Cleveland 28-17. Falcons, Giants, man. I feel like I, I, I can't pick the Falcons. I don't know. For some reason, just something just tells me they're not going to win this game, which means I'm going to pick the Giants to win, which means the Falcons are going to win, but I'm going to pick the Giants to win this game 25-21 because that's Atlanta. That's what we do. And then Packers 49ers. I actually think I think the 49ers are going to win. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is as invested in this season as Packers fans want him to be. But I think I'm going to take the 49ers on this one, 41-38. Going to be a much better game, going to be a closer game. But uh, for something, I I feel like Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are back to their Super Bowl representation. You know, they're getting there. And uh, so that's that for this week. Thank you all so much for listening and hanging out, being with us. We appreciate you all at Bears, Birds, and Brews. We'll talk to you all next week, and we'll follow up with some more beer. Local brew. The local brew. There you go. Cheers, y'all. Thank you. Oh, shit. Hold on. Ah.